Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Excuse me, is that your nose or did a bus park on your face? I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too. Pompous. Duck up. Snop nose. Houston, we have a problem. Snap out of it. This is the Overshare Podcast, Season 2, Episode 1. Unos. Wendy. <laughs> are we going to do a segment entitled The One in Which Anne Throws Tim Under the Bus? <laughs> you can throw me under the bus. The, the mystery episode that will never, ever see the light of day because I accidentally deleted it. It happens. It was masterful work. Yes. Yeah, you know, I'm probably... Shakespearean is probably overstating it a little, yeah. but my, just a fraction. Yeah. It, uh, I guess we'll never know. And then for the whole universe, but really <laughs> a series high, clearly. I mean, uh, yeah, clearly. particularly brilliant, and <laughs> one will ever know. Uh, the great ones never appreciated during their lifetimes. No, it's absolutely true. It is absolutely true. Sorry, you caught me mid pre show twerk. Uh, anyway. <laughs> It's still a thing. <laughs> it's still a thing. You can't do a show without a solid twerk. I needed before you... a Silkwood shower after watching Miley Cyrus at the VMAs. I, I, find, I did not watch them live. I, of course, being not in the demographic, was watching Masterpiece Theater that night. <laughs> Literally. Can't yeah. make it up. I was watching a new series on there. A legal procedural. <laughs> it's so in my sweet spot. So I was watching Silk instead of that. Yes. Uh, but I caught up with it later, and I couldn't actually even get through the whole thing. That is a shock. Uh, yes, Miley Cyrus. I mean, if ever there was proof that there are some things you just can't unsee, that was that was it. That's up there with it, like scenes in American History X. And... Oh, yeah. Well, at least mm-hmm. there was something to learn a bit from that. What do we What do we learn from Miley Cyrus? Um, yeah. I mean, Teddy we haven't managed. Limber. To, well, they certainly are, and we haven't managed to get rid of guns in this country. So I sincerely doubt that we're going to be able to outlaw foam fingers, but. Potentially, uh, I think it's worth a try it's anyway. It's use of a phone finger. It is. It's not what they were intended. Imagine if you used it for good instead of evil. Right. All right. So we digress as is our want. Well, we. I mean, what else is there to do? <laughs> we're born to digress, and it's what? been so long since yeah. we've been on the air. Uh, I've been around the world twice, I think, since we last uh, actually recorded one that made it to air. Uh, road trip to Canada recently. Ma- mainly on holiday, let's be clear. That's true, that's true. Mexico for a few weeks, which was fantastic. Uh, yeah, road trip to Canada with a family of five and a testicularly challenged dog. In a small-ish car. In a, yes, a relatively compact sedan, which was awesome. And when you say he is challenged, you mean there is an absence of... <laughs> I mean, it's challenged insofar as there are not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're unlikely to grow back, so I think he should remain. Well, unless some sort of miracle occurs. Yeah, I mean, he does say he's rosary <laughs> each night from Mother Mary. I think he'll get gold teeth before he gets a new ball. <laughs> it's, in, it's entirely possible. Uh, so, yeah, well, we've been really... So I'm referring to a random thing that was reported years ago that people are in prayer meetings and sort of um, certain countries were getting gold teeth. Did you yep. hear this? Yeah. That's an off reference. But it anyway, is... no less than Oscar's balls being a weird reference. So yeah, that's true. That is very true. Straight down the middle for us. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, had a great summer. It's been really busy but really fun. Uh, busy relaxing, which is, which is nice for change. 
uh, first holiday in for forever. And, uh, yeah, what about you? What have you been doing? I've been, you know, here. I mean, not here specifically in my kitchen, <laughs> a.k.a. our studio, <laughs> but here in the city working. So I do something whereby summers are a little busier for me because they're downtime for other people. So a lot of work. A little hanging out with the grandparents. Uh, one of the great moments of my one week with my grandparents. My grandfather is 94 in November. A little shout-out to Ralph. So what, what, Ralph? Come on. Right? So Ralph, on the last night at dinner, goes, I'm watching this show. <laughs> they, they cut the cord, too, at the house. So they, they cut cable, which is unthinkable. That's my, not even a thing. Yeah. No, you can't do that, right? Well, not when you're my grandfather and your mainstay is the USA NCIS marathon. They disconnect electricity and gas at the same time if that happens, right? Not the actual report, the figured report. It is the thing. Okay. So they right. have a Roku. They're watching Netflix. Okay. So grandfather's discovering all these things, some of which are hilarious, which is <laughs> the story of how they got the gay and lesbian channel on their preferences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not clear what's happening in this show. <laughs> but so we backed out of that one really quickly. But uh, so he's like, he goes, I'm watching this show, and there's this babe, and she there was a plane, and she's under arrest, and the marshal got hurt. And I'm like, is her name Kate? <laughs> <laughs> so my grandfather, I realized I took, I come by binge watching, honestly. He took down 121 episodes of Lost in like an 11 day period. Wow. It's astounding. I mean, that has got to be a record. I would say his retention yep. is probably not as high as he just fired through a season a day, <laughs> but that's not bad work. I think he sort of like thinks he doesn't know when the end is coming. So if he's into something, he's like, I'm just going to burn through this. They're a generation who knows how to work. Right? They're not mucking what around. What an ethic. Yeah. I know. That guy, up in the morning, late <laughs> at night, knuckled down in the recliner, putting in the time. Represent. Yeah. So we had a couple talks about Lost in, in Redemption, in which I got choked up about when Charlie, you know, not Penny's boat. Um, so we have to go back. <laughs> that is so sad. Yeah. And so, did, did you need to... That was the highlight for me. Pull out a doll and a pointing stick to explain anything on the gay and lesbian channel? Was that? <laughs> Fortunately, we, I steered away from that. I think my mother may have fielded all that. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. I'm glad somebody was doing the responsible there, thing. There's so many good stories about my family that I could not tell on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we lose our limited viewers in droves. <laughs> I heard somebody say something really funny. Like they were talking about like uh, different ways of so using social media to con- connect with people, and they were like, no, I use this for sharing articles and getting feedback from people. Not like Facebook, which is just filled with bigots and racists I went to high school with. <laughs> I was just laughing out loud walking down the street about. At any rate, um, in scene. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. Yeah, so that was my limited holiday. It was fun, and I'll, I'll take a little more time around the holidays. But I'm really just hanging out with the grandparents. And I went to Ohio, which uh, the, I was very excited about a pool, and it yep. rained the entire time. So yep. that was kind of a... Fantastic. Yeah. Ohio is a lot like Mexico, though. It could have been. Just like it. Just like it. Yeah, people confuse it all the time. So, yeah, while you're gallivanting around the world, I'm just, you know, on the F train. Uh, and in my part, doing the work. <laughs> Writing outlines for a show that never airs. <laughs> Here we the are. F train is an actual thing. It's not a euphemism. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds bad when she says it. I'm just saying. Correct. <laughs> as far as you know, it's not a euphemism. Anyway. In this application, we'll assume that it's not... So, in other news, in other news, what are we talking about this week? What are we doing? We have so, you guys, we have so much to talk about. So, oh my we, god, first of all, we've missed you, yeah, and, and, and the feeling is likely and not mutual. <laughs> like, it's, we're at also ran, let's be clear. 
So, we'll talk about news. We'll get into some movies we watched, some TV we watched. Let's talk about the new Doctor Who. The new Doctor Who. Well, it's amazing to me that, that Doctor Who is even a thing in this country. And it really is. These days. It's really started... Uh, oh, oh, we were up visiting friends in Canada uh, whilst we were... Doesn't count. Uh, well, they're, Ameri- they're New Yorkers by trade. Oh, okay. They've only been there a year and a half, so they still sort of count. But... Um, but they were only just sort of entering the Doctor Who phenomenon. Mm-hmm. We're kind of conscious of it, it being a thing, but not exactly certain what it was or where it was going to. But, I was uh, aware it was a thing, but I never watched it, not until the sort of reboot of Christopher Eccleston right. several years ago. See, I, I, I have not really engaged with the reboot, so I have a little bit. But, Wait, but I, was, I was very much a childhood Tom Baker. Tom Baker. You know, way back when. Because uh, he was my childhood, like... Really, my kind of first introduction to Doctor Who uh, was Tom Baker, and uh, and he had a fantastic leather jacket that made him look like a tall wallet. Um, but having been back to Australia twice at the, towards the beginning of this year, uh, working uh, and visiting my brother a fair amount, they are uh, Doctor Who addicts. I think it's fair to say. Okay. And uh, and so they, who's their doctor? Tom they, Baker or are they? No, no, no. New they're world? they're well into the new world, but they are a big fan of uh, whoever's face just flashed up. David there. Tennant. David Tennant. Yeah, he's my doctor. And uh, my favorite. You I wish mean, he was your doctor. I wish I had. Yeah, I'd like to play doctor with <laughs> The um. No, edit out. No. Nope. No. Uh, no cutsies. Uh, no taxi backsies either. The um. I enjoy his work. <laughs> Uh, what was I going to say? Yes, they, so they force-fed me uh, many episodes uh, in an effort to kind of get me up to speed with the, how the world has turned. And, okay. Uh, but it's obviously, what did you think? Look, I think it's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's certainly a lot well, better than the, the old show was. Well, and the thing is, is it's a little kitschy. It's a little lo- low production values. Right. So, so they're not spending, you know, bajillions of dollars every episode or whatever. But, but that being said... You know, it's it's nice to see that somebody finally resolved the problem of having an enemy that can't go upstairs like the Daleks. I mean, it's nice to know that they can fly now. Yeah, um, that was a good move. <laughs> very hard. I would have thought to take over the world if you can't take over stairs. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, a slinky could take them down. <laughs> the um, so I, I would go to that. I would yeah, watch that. Slinky v Daleks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I you know I, I think it's a good series. I haven't sort of put it on my must-watch list because I feel like I need to go back to the beginning of the reboot and kind of work my way through. But I, I just don't know that I care enough to do that. Yeah, I don't know that you need to. There's a few things that might be necessary. I mean, I'm not an expert, so there's like there's like a continuum of how into Doctor Who you are. Yeah, I am on the novice end of the scale. Right. Like, I, that's it. I've watched them. Yeah. I've watched many of them multiple times, but yeah. I. The, what are these, he's called it, the wibbly-wobbly timing whammy. Like, that, I let a lot of that glide right past me. Mm-hmm. I don't overthink it. Yeah. Uh, but I just kind of enjoy the show. But I probably enjoy it because, honestly, there's a little bit of Anglophilia in me, and so it's probably a little bit of the nostalgia or whatever, the enjoyment of that, that makes it what yeah. I like. And I do enjoy the stories. And like so many science fiction things, it's not just about the monsters and the aliens or whatever. It's about people and relationships. And so I, I enjoy the show. But yeah. the big news is is Matt Smith, who has been the Doctor for a couple seasons now. Seasons I use advisedly, because they seem to last about four episodes. Yeah. You wait a year, there's four, and then they go away, this and Sherlock, uh, is leaving the show. And we have a new Doctor Who in the form of, is he brown? No. Is he a woman? No. (laughs) Is he another white Englishman? Yes. It is Peter Capaldi. 
Well, you know, you can't break the mold too much. I mean, I was I was all in with Idr- for Idris Elba on this one. If I can't, if he can't be Bond, let him be Doctor Who. Let him be some. Helen Mirren was another one that people would have loved. I mean, you'd totally. watch the heck out of Helen Mirren. Of course I would, but they couldn't afford Helen Mirren, no. surely. And you know, there were other there were other younger sort of options, but I, I think I personally think Doctor Who should be British. I think it's, you know it's a. Somewhere from there, I don't want to see an American. I personally well, in some sort of a strange thing, they could get an American putting on an English accent, just like you, just like we do all the time. Right, exactly. Or an Australian. It's about time for some sort of reverse reverse export. No, that's a bridge too far. Yeah, fair enough too. And Canadians, nope. Nobody wants Canadians. Let's be honest. Let's be clear. (laughs) So Peter Capaldi, if you don't know him, so unfortunately he is forever. Like I think some of my first exposure to Peter Capaldi was playing a. Crossdresser, I think, named maybe Vera on Prime Suspect. Prime Suspect. So, when they see Peter Capaldi, I flash to a still from that, which is slightly killing the mood. But well, you know, that, whatever. That could be entertaining. He is wonderful. I have to say, I'm a big fan. Yep. So he's a great actor. You probably in this know him most. People most likely know him from the thick of it. Yeah. Where he's a very profane uh, person in the sort of political world. Yeah. Uh, and they made a movie of that that maybe got a little more press here in the loop and. Uh, Oh, is it Armando Iannucci? Iannucci, something like that, is the creator who now created Veep on HBO. Yep. Little context. So, anyway, he's, I mean, he's a really fantastic actor with a kind of relatively storied career, kind of character actor type. So, are you in? Well, you're not really in. But are you interested? Look, I'm interested. I'll, I'll have a look. I'll yeah. have a look. I'm, I'm not committed. Uh, I like to minimize my commitment level in just about everything. But no. Except your marriage and your marriage. Ugh, whatever. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yes. Yes, honey, yes. Uh, no, it's, yeah, it's because my other commitments are high. Work is high. Family commitments are high. Finding TV series that are just a high level of commitment is hard for you me. You are committed to an, a lot of dross that you watch at your home. I'm not committed to almost any of it. Oh, okay. But it, it happens. Oh, it happens because <laughs> I, yeah, being the man of the house, control none of the televisions that go on. So I have a wife and daughters who, you know, control them with a great deal of aplomb, and I just do whatever. Probably a nice survival tactic. Yeah, yeah. And the it... girls, they're not into Doctor Who? No, no. Yeah. Even though they, they're cousins all about it, but my girls just couldn't, couldn't get into it. I mean, I have to say, as a, as a young child, the double of Doctor Who and the goodies, very hard to go past. Just playing almost every afternoon. Anyway, we don't like our Yes. Uh, up next, be funny. Uh, Ellen did it. do not. <laughs> I'll not hear a word against the Brady Bunch. Oh, not please. in this house, pal. That was my after school weird. jam. Uh, really? Oh yeah. Tune in to see Alice figure out if she can get Sam's meat. Yeah. Mm. It's not okay. I mean, that's a B plot. Let's be let's be honest. But everything that happens on that show <laughs> is a big plot. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Greg is Johnny Bravo. Come on. Yeah. They all go to Hawaii. And why wouldn't you? And pick up a cursed mask. Yeah. yeah those were dark times. <laughs> Troubled times for us yeah. all. <laughs> okay, so, in other news, Ellen DeGeneres is the new host of the Oscars in a yes. whiplash-like response to the Seth MacFarlane background. Yes, if you, if you could search for a polar opposite, yeah. we understand women... We understand lesbians and gays. We understand everybody. But it ever. is also an equally, in, in a sense, I think she'll be great. I think yep. she's she's gracious. She's a, she's a good host. Yes. I think it's her it's her thing, and I think she's funny, and I think she'll do fine. Yeah. But it's it to me is like another cynical ploy. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, we're going to get the young guys. Oh, no, we went too far. Now let's, oh, I know, like you say. So yeah. it just feels like it still feels a little tone deaf to me, but a better choice. What do you do, though? I mean, the trouble is yeah. you, you either get accused of being reactionary or not listening to people. And in the end of the day, you know, I think they've just taken the opinion that they had to do something uh, and it looked a bit too um, too copycat-like to go and steal Amy Poehler and... Who should host that right now. Yes, exactly. Who, rumor has it, have been asked to host the Emmys again. I think. Oh, really? Let's hope they do. They're coming back again? Yeah, Neil Patrick Harris or them. Or them. Yeah, that's really... Those are the people that host things. And may I posit that I think at some point, Jimmy Fallon. I think he could be right. I think he would be good at this. I mean, he's not really that movie adjacent. He had a brief movie career. He's been a few things. Yeah. But, you know, he doesn't necessarily have that. But he could, I think he's got the, you know, he's got fun. He he can be, he's family friendly and nice. Yeah. But also dudes like him. Yeah. He could be the Forge of Goldilocks shows. He could not too hot, not too cold. Right. We'll see. Okay, so anyway, that, you know, because the last time we did post this, I was, as Tim called it, venting my spleen about my uh, op- my problems with Seth MacFarlane's performance. So I thought we'd catch you back up on the polar opposite. I think performance is probably praising it up a little, mm-hmm. but okay. Yeah. Uh, let's talk summer. So summer movies. Summer movies. Not doing so hot this year. Nope. Discuss. Yeah, look, I mean, it's... it's... This is, let's... Let's backstory, you know, background here. The studios count on summer movies, the big tentpole movies, yep. uh, to help fund their lives, their yep. Very cars, their children's education, yep. yes, their holiday homes, their mini mistresses. Indeed. Uh, yeah, I mean, summer, it's funny, historically that's been very true. The spread of the year has sort of evened out a little bit. Christmas, Christmas. Christmas has become... A major deal, opening things up in December and January. So you drop a Hobbit movie, right? Put a Middle Earth. Yeah, or the latest edition of Twilight, or whatever it happens to be. Uh, Hunger Games. Uh, I think they're all coming out with something. Not Twilight, obviously. Done and done. Um, Thank God for that. Oh, you know you loved it. Um, and so, but look, some holidays are always a. Uh, Always a challenging time because they are such temple movies. That means they've spent a lot of money on them. The big studios have spent big money uh, to get these things right. But interestingly, not long before summer, we had George Lucas and Spielberg come out and say, eh, we're a bit worried about the way in which Hollywood is relying on these temple movies and the way and the volumes of money that they are spending on those things. We view that at some point in, in the near future, we're going to have a few major... Um, crashes in terms of uh, making losses on those movies and you know if you lose money on a 40 40 million dollar movie yeah but if you lose money on a 250 million dollar movie that's a whole other thing and uh and we've seen a few of those over the last couple of years um so the most recent has been um lone ranger uh which hot on the hills of after earth right uh which is vanity brother right which is performed you know, incredibly badly and uh, called a temporary halt to just about every piece of production going on, uh, expensive production going on in Disney while they reviewed uh, what it was that they were spending money on. Uh, so they had a project, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which is running down into production, and that's been halted uh, till who knows when, uh, right now as I understand it. Uh, and there are a number of projects like that who uh, whose budgets are just insanely high. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, Lone Ranger, really intriguing in terms of a 
in terms of an analysis, uh, they got um, uh, Gore Verbinski into direct. Uh, and Gore is notorious for overspending. So his budget overruns. And uh, they, you know, the studio said to Jerry Bruckheimer, you know, we need you to rein him in. We need you to make sure this thing stays on budget. And he said, sure. But it still went over budget. Uh, and they still spent extortionate sums of money. Uh, and, I mean, it's, it's, it is fascinating, though. So it bombs. They lose money. Okay, the, these things happen. And there are a few people around the things like, well, I'm sorry, Jerry Bruckheimer. You, have, you know, you're not worth anything in the marketplace now. It's like, seriously? Yeah. Have you seen the number of movies and television series that he's turned out that have made so many, you know, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars in, in cumulative totals? Uh, one bad flop that he exec produced, didn't direct, yeah. uh, is not going to do anything for him. And he, sure, he may renegotiate his, you know, his deals that he's got coming up on the next, sorry, on the next uh, Pirates movies or whatever. There'll be some adjustments here and there. Are they to, making more, though? Of course they are. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, sequels, while ever you have summer movies where... where I mean, that's the interesting thing. Well, they're always trying to launch a franchise or continue a franchise, most of the big summer movies. Right. With the exception, probably, of what, like, Pacific Rim was, it, was it's the first, maybe the first, maybe the only. Right. Like, probably the first. We haven't seen a lot of, across the summer, we've not seen a lot of um, movie franchise sequels. And this is one of the interesting things, because we've had a run of years. Yeah. Uh, the most, probably the most successful movie of the summer was a sequel. Star and that was, Fast and the Furious, oh, six or twelve six. or wherever we're up to, um, which is a franchise that just continues to build and build, which is so odd. Um, but we had Star Trek Into Darkness, that was a sequel. Yes, we did, which did okay, but not not setting the world on fire. Um, Superman with Wolverine, so that's in that. Oh, world. we did too. We did too. Um, Superman, not really a sequel, a reboot of a franchise, I guess. Uh, which did pretty well, and... Who doesn't love an origin story again? Well, the origin story is never the problem. It's the one that comes after the origin story that ends up being a problem, um, which is why we've ended up with the next movie being a Superman and Batman combination, combo meal. Because uh, we need Batman's origin story again. No, I think we just need to try and do something with Superman because he's problematic he's as, a, as a superhero. It's very but they're going to have a second Captain America, and he's boring, and they made it work, so they can make Superman. Well, we haven't seen with the second. Superman, sorry, but Superman's a bit. Well, I mean, it was always been the challenge with the superhero who's basically invincible. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves the foibles of you know whether it's character flaws or whether they can you know whether they're not invincible or whatever that thing is. Kryptonite. Yeah, but how many times is Kryptonite going to turn up before you just go? Yeah. Whatever, dude. You know. I'm, um, Superman, did you like Superman? I did not see Superman. Oh, fascinating. I like the look of Superman. <laughs> yeah. um, she has a life-size doll in her bedroom. <laughs> the, um... Along with the arrow. It's getting crowded back there. <laughs> the, uh... I didn't see that either, but he is delightful looking. Man, uh, a fascinating movie. And um, not great, but okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that Zack Schneider was the guy. And I, I think they missed the opportunity, given that they did the origin story. I mean, they finished it at age 33 for him. Zack Snyder being the director, he did 300. Right. And uh, Sucker Punch. Oh, yeah. Um, and Henry Cavill, a Brit, being the Superman. 
Yes. Uh, and he was pretty good. Yeah. And the girls didn't seem to care what he did uh, as long as he was on screen. Um, but uh, it was... I, I think if Smallville, the TV series, has shown us anything, it's that there's a lot of stuff to mine from a younger Superman. And I think if they'd focused on an earlier stretch of his life, I mean, finished him earlier, early 20s or mid-20s or something, I think that would have been a, a better decision than the one they made. Start uh, writing that prequel, Tim. Yeah, oh, God. Um, and too many flashbacks. It's like, eh, why do you have to tell a story in reverse? Anyway, uh, so... Artie. Uh, so, summer movies, eh, you don't think it's as big of a disaster as... Oh, look, there's no doubt, saying. there's no doubt about yeah, the fact... Yeah, the Hollywood reporters in the world. Oh, well, of course they would. I mean, I, I just... The, the trouble is that the sums of money that you're talking about are so large that some, where you had a hit or a miss five years ago or whatever, and you're talking about $100, $150 million maybe... Now it's like $250, $300 million plus print and advertising costs. It's just a, an extortionate sums of money. And uh, it's getting harder and harder for Hollywood to actually borrow that money because none of the studios, oh, with the exception of Disney probably, actually pay for their own movies. They're all funded by um, funds, movie funds, slates. Uh, and... Um, but that becomes more and more difficult if you're having a much more difficult time. Yeah, so, so people are going to invest if they don't have a return on their investment that they're fairly assured of. Right. Insofar as that is possible. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. I mean, the the we've only just recently seen that legendary um, pictures who was the funder of the entirety of Warner Brothers Slate uh, has said adios to Warner Brothers and moved to fund Universal's pictures for the next five years, I think, they've made a deal for. Um, and uh, Which is big news for both studios, and I don't know exactly what Warners is planning to do as a, as a fallback position to actually make the movies, because uh, uh, Legendary were paying for at least half of every movie that Warner Brothers made, and sometimes closer to 75%. Uh, so... It'll be interesting to see how that, that winds out. But that's that's the problem, really, from their perspective, is that whereas before the financial crisis, money for movies and stuff was flowing pretty freely, now it's so much tighter and people are expecting determined returns and you know an understanding of what things are going to be. It's very hard to make those kind of determinations, and that's why the studios keep investing in franchises because they can look at the numbers and make a pretty good guess about how those things will do, plus or minus, yeah. uh, you know, a percentage. Whereas every time you try and launch a new film or try and create a new franchise, there's no certainty about how that will be. Which is generally why, unless it's something massive, it's generally why the first movie in a franchise, like the last, the first Hunger Games movie, would be more budget and more economical while they sort of roll it out and just see what happens. Um, because even with a phenomenal readership like they've had from Hunger Games, there's no guarantee that people will like the movies. Uh, even people who like the books, if they feel like you've done a disservice, they'll just stay away in droves. Um, yeah. yeah, they're trying that out with a few a few series coming up, like these young adult series. They're making into films like uh, what's it, uh, Mortal Instruments? Mortal Instruments. Uh, and there's another one. 
we'll think of it. Maybe. Yeah, probably. It's coming out soon, I believe. Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's one of those things that that market, the late teen, early twenty market, is a is a massive fuel ship market. You've only got to look at the numbers for um, Twilight and the Hunger Games, for that matter, to know that Harry there's just yeah, there's that. just you know truckloads of money to be made. Harry Potter and kids and teens. Yeah, look, I mean, Harry Potter is a very diverse. I mean, I think. I think that's one of the other reasons why they may have had trouble getting Legendary to sign on again. I don't know that Warners has got... I mean, you look at their past slate, and it's been ridiculously good with all the Harry Potter movies and those sorts of things populating their their lists. Um, But what they've got coming up next, eh. You know, you look at it as something in comparison, even to a Disney who's had a couple of massive failures in the last year or so. Um, they're still turning out movies that people are watching in the droves. I mean, just Pixar by themselves making truckloads of money. Pixar. Pixar is its own little little shop in well, terms of a, a brand. It is, but it's all owned by and now guided by Disney and John Lasseter, who's now the creative director or whatever it is for Disney overarching, uh, as well as being the CEO of Pixar. So, I mean, going back to The Lone Ranger, that was one where it struck me like, yes, there's a precedent for it. It was a TV series. But I kind of thought, who wants that? What's the appeal of that? Like, is that something people are just crying out for a reboot for? It didn't strike me as such. So I wondered, but was this the idea is that Johnny Depp is huge in foreign markets and foreign markets gives up, give us a lot of our box office, so Johnny Depp wants to do it. Yeah, and I don't even know whether you like not... to work with Johnny. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who sold the idea to who. Uh... You know, I think the whole notion of it, I think, was... Because, you know, Lone Ranger was big, but it was never that big. I think trying to drag that franchise out of the out of the ground and, and make it into something and then take an American Indian role and make it be played by a, wh- a white dude uh, is just weird. Uh, and couple that with Army Hammer. I mean, you know, so it's a win-win. Um, no, there's just, there's just not... There's so... I mean... I, I'm a fan of the kind of genre of movies, you know, Boys Own Adventure kind of movies that Bruckheimer and Michael Bay and those sorts of things make. I know they won't change the world, they won't change your life, but in terms of a couple of hours of solid enjoyment, I quite like them. But this movie has virtually no redeeming features. It's not did really, you see it's, it? Yeah, it's not really funny. Oh, yeah, it's not really funny. It's not really just because I was intrigued to know why it had done as badly as it had. Um, it's not really funny. The action is all very kind of over the top and, you know, very Gore Verbinski, you know, uh, I don't know. There's, there's nothing to recommend it. And I, I don't know how they didn't see that before they were making it, but it's Johnny Depp, it'll, yeah, it'll be fine. It's like, <laughs> we were talking about Sharknado, it's like, oh, don't worry about it, we'll fix it in post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just one of those things where you look at it and you just go... I think it was. I think the most damage it has done is actually not to Disney's bottom line, but maybe to Johnny Depp's credibility in terms of his overall appeal, continuing appeal. But I hear rumours that he's thinking about putting his hanging up his stockings anyway. So, call it. Yep. Yeah. Call it quits. The so. makeup market with all the high, uh, eyeliner would be a crushing blow to Estee Lauder <laughs> as well. Revlon, remember. So tell me about among what are your favourite summer movies that you saw? You saw a lot. 
Yeah, did I? I mean, a lot of pre-summer movies. I don't know what sort of how far back we're including for summer. I'm trying to remember even now what started I... around like the Iron Man three, the Star Trek Into Darkness, which came yeah, out right. mid-May. Yeah. Star Trek Into Darkness definitely mid-May. Yeah. Uh, and then go from there. So you've got Despicable Me, you've got Man of Steel, you got World War Z, Pacific Rim. Yeah, look, uh, World War Z, uh, I really like. Living Together. Um, yes, it's true. This man so, has no... T- <laughs> <laughs> World War Z, we get to the movies. I see this with Tim and his wife, Chris. Part way in, she looks at me and goes, this is about zombies. I hate zombie <laughs> movies. He didn't tell me this was a zombie I movie. I love the fact that I told Chris about three weeks before we saw it of the... And she's like, oh, well, was he? What's that? Oh, it's a zombie movie. And, and this has completely gone in one ear and out the other. And then when I try and talk her into coming, I'm like, oh, you want to come and see World War Z? And she said, yeah, sure. And I'm like, really? I didn't bother to do it. You know, if the... the <laughs> oh, don't overthink it. <laughs> exactly. If the wind is with you, then, then just go with it. And, uh, and we sort of get there and... <laughs> 30 minutes into it, wait, this is a zombie movie, you tricked me, I'm like, I didn't trick you, I just asked you to come, but uh, yeah, not a big fan of zombie movies as it turns out. Kristen, how much care for it? Well, how does she feel about Shaun of the Dead? I don't think she's, she's ever really. seen Shaun of the Dead. It's a zom-com. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I think Chris's um, She very loves co- a disaster movie. Her, yeah, it's true, no. but her, her considered... Uh, insight into World War Z was it's stupid. She did not much care for that film. <laughs> no, she did not. Uh, whereas I actually thought it was great. I didn't. I don't like zombie movies as a general rule. I think Shaun of the Dead is a just an exception to the rule. And Warm Bodies probably in that same kind of uh, zomcom. That's a zom rom com. <laughs> zom rom com. Sorry, uh, but um, subgenre. But I thought that they did a good job of. There's a lot of tension in it, but not... I, I just liked the... I thought the pacing of the film was good. I thought Brad Pitt was really good. Yeah. Um, it's apparently incredibly divergent from the, from the book. Like, oh, is it? I have not read yeah. the book. The book, not set on one character. Right. Uh, so, you know, they anchor it to the sort of struggle of one man to help solve what is happening. Yeah. Uh, and, and to his family, and then use that to tell a variety of stories. So, but he's very much the anchor of the movie. Yeah. It's a little disturbing. Like the the zombies move faster than the zombies. Right. So there's no slow kind of walking. There's some lumbered wise sort of lumbering around in the lab. Right, but only yeah. when they're in dormant mode. If they can't if they can't smell fresh blood or whatever, they go into kind of a dormant mode. But whenever they smell blood, those dudes are running fast and they're and piling on each other like orcs. Like in in that was the image that I thought. Another one that I can't unsee is just them. Creating mountains to get up on things yep. of human of zombie bodies. Yeah, and I thought some of those visuals were awesome, just yeah. climbing over one another. I thought those things were great. I thought some of the some of the things that I liked most that they did with the zombies were not the kind of flesh eating thing, but the like the teeth guy in the. <laughs> yeah, I can't even. I, you have to get very close to them. Oh yeah, I'm not going to do that. But who sort of clicks his teeth uh, while he's thinking about or smelling? You know, you know. Um, which is just so disturbing to kind of watch. Nothing bad has happened, but it's just yeah. like, all right, you're freaking me out right now. Yeah, good uh, tension in it. Some great, yeah. A lot of great, a great cast, really. Yeah. Good. Just some of the scenes, you're just holding your breath when they're trying yeah. to escape, uh, you know, where the wall, if anything goes wrong with the wall, and they're trying to get away. Yeah. Uh, all of that was astounding. There were some interesting... Uh, the, I think the storyline was interesting to me. Yeah. So it's not bad. It's not... I did not enjoy it because I'm a giant adult Big baby. Big baby. Yeah. 
So <laughs> I was probably holding Chris's arm a good portion of the day, <laughs> including the previous. So the preview to the Conjuring, where I was like, nope, 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 just shaking my head and muttering because I was so creeped out by the yeah, you know, on the oh, no. So I, I couldn't even handle it. Uh, so that was that's probably I don't know. And you, you know, I just read they're doubling that, uh, doing a double feature of that with Star Trek. Oh, really? Starting Friday, and so I may end up seeing the movie again. There you if go. Friends wanted to see Star Trek. Star Trek, I thought was good. It's still playing. I haven't made it. Really? Yeah. A slow burn. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, it did well at the box office, but not awesome. We uh, love JJ. But at my, we do. You know. And you know, Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch, the um, JJ's last Star Trek movie, which is which will be interesting. As he transitions off to do I think Star he's Wars, carrying on with both. No. Are you sure? Well, I would. The announcement was that he said he couldn't, could not possibly do both. Uh, I thought that was before he took on Star Wars, and he was like, "Ah, just kidding." No, as I, as I understand it, part of his agreement was that he would take on Star Wars, that he would have to give up Star Trek in order to be able to do that. I could Sophie's be choice. I could be wrong, but um. Oh, you would definitely choose Star Wars over Star Trek, sure. I would, but a lot of people, you know, people, it used to be that people are either or. Like, yeah. I never really was into Star Trek, love Star Wars. Now yeah. I watch both, but yeah. I never watch the old Star Trek. Although show. Star Wars, a bit of a poison chalice, so. But, I mean, he managed to. Oh, re- good lord. Managed to resurrect Star yeah. Trek, so we'll see what happens with the Star Wars franchise. I know that his level of interest in Star Wars is incredibly high because they have a deal with Disney over the. Uh, licensing rights for his production company so they're getting a percentage of all of those sorts of things which they could never get for Star Trek because there are about 12,000 people who own all the rights to CBS owns the rights to the television but they also own half of the rights or more than half of the rights to the franchising uh, in terms of toys and all those sorts of things and then you've got Paramount who owns some of it but not all of it so they couldn't get a deal out of Paramount for any of the kind of subsidiary rights that they wanted uh, I'm not saying JJ's he's, just in it for the money. He's starving for money. I'm yeah, sure. that poor bastard. He's only making like 45 movies a year. Um, he's like writing a book. And... Yeah, so um, yeah, he's going to be a busy boy, but uh, that'll be interesting to see. And many, Super- many shows. Yeah, and... Superman, which I saw, which I thought was solid. Yeah. I, I just, the Superman Batman thing in the next run round troubles me. I just don't know how that's. With Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck as has Batman. just been announced as the, as the new Batman. Obviously, Christian Bale, not up for another go-round. Uh, has kind of done his growling voice and we're in the... I mean, uh, again, I'm, uh, I'm sure there'll be at links to explain exactly how this happens, but given that the closeout of the third Batman trilogy was really basically to have him retire and give Robin the reins more or less and just sort of sit quietly somewhere in a uh, European cafe. villa or a cafe and, and sip coffee... Uh, I'm not quite sure what the, or, and even how they would end up working together, but I guess, well... I guess Maybe they'll roll the clock back. Maybe. Maybe. But they've only just kind of launched him as Superman, so I feel like they've got to continue to roll him forward into the into the Superman role. So, we'll see. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, Warners has had not nearly as much luck with their hero, superhero franchise as... Yeah, this is their effort to do, like... The Avengers. The Avengers, exactly. So they've not had nearly as much um, success as Marvel slash Disney, who now own Marvel. Well, their equivalent is what? The Justice League. Correct. Which they tried to make a Justice League movie mm, ten years ago now. Um, but it, it didn't happen, right? Yeah, it didn't happen. They couldn't, couldn't get all the money they wanted for it or something. And uh, and so they pulled the plug on it. Um, that was the, on the back of the previous Superman movie. Uh, 
try and sort of turn that into something. But they've just, but the Marvel guys have been all over it like a rash, and they haven't had a failure yet. And they have a TV show coming up. They have uh, Agents of Shield. Yes. Uh, yes. Period. Where they resurrect? What's his name? Uh, Clark Gregg is his name as an actor. Uh, what who, was his name? Who, who was killed, but now is alive again, apparently. Agent Coulson. Yes, so I guess this is a prequel. Yeah. Or he didn't really die. Uh, yeah, he got better. Yeah, I, th- I think they there was some obfuscation there. He didn't really die. <sighs> I hate that. I rewatched the Avengers to look for the scene where they supposedly say something about Sector something, Sector 12, or whatever. That The idea that yeah. you know, he was shunted off to somewhere where potentially they reanimated him. Yeah. He looked pretty dead to me. <laughs> so, I'm not a doctor. So tell me, Pacific Rim. We always thought alien life would come from the stars. But it came from deep beneath the Pacific. What the hell is going on? The first kaiju made land in San Francisco. The second attack hit Manila. Then the third one hit Cabo. Then we learned this was not going to stop. In order to fight monsters, we created monsters of our own. We needed a new weapon. The Jaeger program was born. Two pilots, our minds, our memories, connected. Man and machine become one. Okay, so let's get in the neural drift, Tim. <laughs> no, so, you're, you're on your own here. <laughs> so Pacific Rim, it's just your boy meets robot who fights alien monster. So the idea is there's a Marianas Trench-like, Marianas-like trench somewhere in the Pacific. Big hole in the water, thing. yep. In the water that gets broken open somehow more something you know tectonic tectonic plates move it's a thing so it then deep in the earth open reopens a interdimensional portal through mm-hmm. which these giant monsters can come and attack the world. No one nice ever comes through interdimensional portals. Doctor Who. He carries his own interdimensional portal with him. I mean, you know, just a random crack opens up, joins another dimension. Nothing good is coming coming out of that hole. That's true. So they call them the kaiju. They're these kind of like, I don't know, they look dinosaur. They kind of say that the precursor was allegedly a dinosaur. So they're kind of like that. Uh, Start coming through and they build these giant robots. So as tall as skyscraper kind of robots. And that's some of the best stuff in the movie. Yeah. Uh, to fight the monsters, and then they become unsuccessful at the point. And the, this is run by the army initially with the UN, who in this world rules Do the world something. effectively. Yeah, it's yep. like the most power the UN has ever had <laughs> is in this movie. Um, they wish they had robots. Giant robots, yeah. <laughs> who just like scoop up all the flags of the UN <laughs> and chuck them into the water. It'd be great. There it is. So there's a lot of it. See, this is, it could have been a good video. <laughs> <laughs> We're sending a robot to Syria right now. Yeah. I'm doing gestures right now. That's very animated. They are fantastic. She's flailing to the left and to the right. I've been standing throughout the podcast. I'm very engaged. Uh, so the idea is um, they, they, they start being successful, and then the, the people who 
still have some of these monsters become the resistance. And it's all about sort of their that journey and trying to fight these monsters and whatever. It's the usual thing. Like yep. Aliens attack, mankind is stronger, we work together to overcome. <laughs> we come in peace. Spoiler alert. So, uh, but this, I mean, so it is what it is. It's a dude movie. I saw this in 3D IMAX. I'm like, I'm all in, take all you my are, money. You were all in right there. Yeah. It was so loud, I think it like... Erupted in your drum? Yeah. It was just unbelievably loud. And, it may and, have been your spleen reaching up to try and strangle your own brain. That <laughs> <laughs> happens. I didn't need my brain during that movie. I Make kind of stop. enjoyed it. I mean, it's if I watched this at home by myself, I'd yeah. be like, what a piece of garbage. <laughs> but it's kind of fun. I mean, it, this is why you go to the movies for these big right. summer movies. I liked it. Um, Guillermo del Toro was the director, and yep. that got me more interested, as did Idris Elba. Of course. Um, so pretty. Uh, but... He great loves making really elaborate monsters. He yeah. loves that world. He's very creative. You know, he's done low budget, very successful, yeah. um, like Pan's Labyrinth, yep. and then high budget, not so successful. But he's done. Is he Hellboy? Is that him too? I'm not sure. It might have been. Uh, but it, this was fun, right? I, yep. I oh God, there's a part where the monster is dragging like a tanker, like yep. a, and just shut. Or sorry, the the Jaeger, the yep. robot, and just chucks it at the monster. So they do these fun things that give you the sense of scale. Like he's beating him up with railroad cars. Yeah, yeah. And grabs two. That like all that stuff is fun. And my joke about the neural drift that Tim would not, you know, get in with me here is the fact that these robots are so massive and complex that similar to like a right brain left brain arrangement, yeah. it takes two people to control them. And yeah. so there's always this thing about the two pilots, and it starts the movie with one pilot. Uh, uh, co-pilot's brothers, one of them dying. And it was Mike from Homeland. It's like a grown-up version of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah. With lots of, it's like, black, all the robots look like the black Power Rangers. Or something. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this was enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, it's silliness, but yeah. enjoyable. It's not going to change your life. No, I mean, mm. just money thrown all over it, which is, you know, what you'd expect. You waste a lot more money for a lot less time and yeah. come away a lot less enjoyable. We got to see Burn Gorman again if you've been missing him since Torchwood. Has anybody been missing him? Maybe. Maybe a few people. Yeah. So, I haven't seen him in a while. Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia playing the kind of nerd who does a neural drift, which is the way you connect to someone to be more aligned. Uh, he does that kind of like neural breach with them. It's not, what do they call it? When it's not, the neural drift is what you get in to do that, comp, yeah. to do the joining. I can't remember what the join is called. I can't remember either. Um, oh. You're ruining the story. Yeah, yeah. It's very deep. <laughs> a, lot of me- a lot of metaphors for life and yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, I liked it. Did you like it? Yeah, I think it was good. I mean, it, you know, it's a dude movie. You're absolutely right. And if you uh, if you like those sort of things, and you know, smashing robots and monsters and they were good monsters though. They, they did were some good awesome monsters. things. Yeah. And there were moments where the monsters, as they, as this movie went on, the reason they were unsuccessful against them is the, the monsters. I don't know if they were adapting. Or growing in their capacity. I think they were figuring out how we worked and fighting us better, but also came up with new powers like flying and just, you know, things you didn't yeah. expect them to be able to do. And I thought the, the scale of it worked pretty well. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It's one of the things that they're always fighting against uh, in the... Whenever you do robots, um, it's, it's quite odd. You end up in this thing where you're fighting against scale. So Transformers is a sort of perfect example of this. When we were talking to him... Um, talking to Michael Bay um, and Michael Bay's people about doing 3D and stuff for the movie, his, his single biggest thing was, don't make my effing robots look small. 
because they're always this challenge of the fact that they're sort of fighting against scale and something happens when you take a pretend robot and put it on the ground that would just has a this sort of tendency to continue to diminish things. Um, but I thought they the scale of it was very impressive for Pacific Rim. Maybe not as good as Atlantic Rim, but we'll see. Yeah, so it, like, there's a, a production studio, we use the term advisedly, <laughs> called Asylum that makes movies like trans from the people that brought you Transmorphers <laughs> and Atlantic Rim. Uh, they also brought us uh, the the hit of the summer, the sci-fi hit of the summer, Sharknado. Sharknado! Yes, which we did catch. So I watched it, uh, as did all of Twitter and the world. You went live. Well, I was in Mexico, not caring. But I, I rewatched it with Tim and Chris last weekend. Very enjoyable. High so, budget, high quality. Oh, yeah. Amazing visual effects, incredible story. And what a script. What a script. <laughs> and the napkin that it was written on, still Beverly around. Hills Emergency Services are second, a to, second none. to none. none. Even so. <laughs> uh, so if you're interested, so watch this movie. And even if you don't watch this movie, I'm going to give a shout out to another podcast. Um, there's a wonderful podcast. It's um, great actors in it. Um, uh, Gene Raphael, Paul Shear, and uh, Jason Manzoukas, who are uh, on a variety of shows. Paul Shear is on The League. Um, Gene Raphael is on, what is it? It's a takeoff of, it's like NTSC, SUV, SD. It, it's on comedy. Uh, it's on Comedy Central. It's a takeoff of all of those different okay. shows. She's on that, um, and it's called "How Did This Get Made?" And their episode on Sharknado is genuinely hysterical. Nice. So they watch B movies, bad movies. Yeah, it's a lot of like Nick Cage is like their he is their guy. He's their guy. Uh, they watch a lot of movies and just talk about them. But yeah. their one on Sharknado is a particular high series high. I've okay. to all of them. So I would recommend nice. that. It is absolutely hysterical. Their names for people, like they refer to Nova, the bartender, as Chesty Nova, <laughs> which is accurate. Nice. So it, if that's worth a, is it worth a watching? Yeah. It's worth watching. Don't watch it by yourself. Watch it with friends or yeah. watch it and reread like the Twitter, yeah. all the tweets about it, which were absolutely hysterical, but even better when they're live. Like everyone from, uh, you know, Mia Farrow to every community you've ever heard of was yeah. watching this and tweeting. Uh, what's his name from uh, Damon Lindoff is like I'm writing a sequel to Sharknado I'm going I'm to finish it before the movie's <laughs> over <laughs> and then Elizabeth Banks they were bantering about what character she would play in the sequel uh, and this brought back Ian Ziering and Tarrant, as sure as how did this debate call it the co- corpse of terror <laughs> uh, what about so moving from Atlantic and Pacific Rim yes uh Kitty movies that you saw this summer. There were a number of those. Anything that you and the children particularly like? Um, Despicable Me 2. Good night, Edith. Good night, Marco. Hold the horses. Who are you texting? My friend Avery. 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 Is it a girl's name or a boy's name? Does it matter? No, no, it doesn't matter unless it's a boy. I know it makes you a boy. Who you do? Your bald head. Oh, yes. Sometimes I stare at it and imagine a little chick popping out. Good night, Agnes. Never get older. We are the Anti-Villain League, dedicated to fighting crime on a global scale. Uh, A new villain has surfaced. (laughs) You know how a villain thinks. That's why we brought you here. I am the League's director, Silas Ramsbottom. 
bottom. <laughs> Hilarious. This is more. Uh, what did Gru do now? Yeah, I mean, there's there's less dual level humor in it in terms of the sort of something special for the adults and something for the kids. It's all pretty, uh, you know, fart humor and those sorts of things. It's for the younger kids. But man, it smashed it at the box office. Absolutely killed it. Um, there'll be a um, there'll be a three uh, Monsters University, which I didn't see. Oh, you did not. I haven't seen it. Oh, <gasps> I know. But we, you liked Monsters Inc. I would love to have seen it. It was purely a Mexico related thing, and the only version I could go and see was overdubbed in Spanish. And you so have done that. I probably should have done it anyway. <laughs> Hola, Mike Wazowski. Um, I, I just. That would have been so good. I, yeah, I just. I don't think you'd lose anything. I, I couldn't bring myself to do it, so ended up being very. Uh, you failed as a man. As, uh, a, as father. a father. I know. There's a whole <laughs> list of movies that we didn't get to see that we were desperately trying to do before well, we got. Three weeks in Mexico. While we, before we got on a plane, we'd sort of said, let's do a movie day. We're going to crank out like five or six movies. We'll just go and do it. But it all got jacked up in stupid work and stuff packing. packing and such so it all ended up being a complete farce so i think we are probably not too far from the end here can i give an uh-huh. honorable mention to two small movies absolutely that wouldn't have been on your document? please so i caught up with a few movies uh that i wanted to mention one of them was much to do about nothing so this was directed by joss whedon so yep. he's just a big shakespeare guy uh this was done over 12 days you can tell home. from his work on avengers yeah. and Buffy. there's a lot of overlap with the shakespearean tale with a lot of these stories you know Successes and failures. Uh, yeah, you could do it. You it could correlate Hamlet, Superman, Hamlet, Batman. I don't know. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a stretch. I think I don't King Lear doesn't transfer as easily, but Macbeth. Macbeth. He'd be a bad guy. Yeah, totally. Uh, so much to do about nothing. So that he did this at twelve over twelve days at home with his friends, including Agent Coulson, Clark Gregg, who was wonderful. Uh, you know, a, a lot of your old favorites. So that like a lot of the Buffy people were back yeah. in this, like Alex Denisoff. Um, Nathan Fillion was in it, who was a Firefly guy. Yeah. Uh, Reed Diamond, Amy Acker. So I loved the idea of this, and I loved a lot about it, but yeah. I did have to say, I do say, honestly, that some of the performances left me lacking. I think there's a... Amy Acker is a fine actor. She's been on Person of Interest and, and done some good things, but she there's a vocal quality to her voice that, unfortunately, it's just I found annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Up a little bit. People are saying that about me now, probably. Whatever. But... <laughs> That thing when girls in sentences is that high. You don't know if it's a question or a statement. Um, anyway, so much to do about nothing, but that is worth seeing. It's just it's fun. To, I like their take on it. Uh, so you know, if you like Shakespeare, if you like smaller movies, this is yeah. insane. And the other one that I really really enjoyed this summer, which was more of a family movie. I was with my um, uh, my half siblings. I have three, and uh, you know, we we're, were seeing what, with someone who was younger, and then uh, someone who's in college, and we're trying to find something had a family. For, Friendly, and we saw the Kings of Summer. Yeah, which is a tiny little movie uh, with a bunch of youthful actors. So the idea in this, and it's got a lot of um, comedy actors you know and love: the Allison Breeze, the Nick Offerman, the Megan Mullally's in it uh, in the adult roles, the more yep. roles. But Nick Robinson and Gabriel Basso, and another I can't remember the name of the other guy. But this is about uh, three boys who are in their you know their adolescence, who are struggling with their family and wanting to become men and they run off to live together as the kings of summer and build a house in the woods and run away and it's about that and it's really good you know i would urge you to go up and watch the trailer about it it's not a great one that we can put on here because it's more visual than it is you know um, a good audio trailer yeah but it's really really worth seeing like some really nice performances just a nice kind of sweet summer movie about 
about that time of life. So I think yeah. that, and we laughed a lot. We all really liked it. So that's a really worth saying. I, I would give that a little honorable mention. How many out of ten? Ooh. Six? Six. For me, that's high. That's a solid, yeah. yeah. Six, six 6.5. Sliding scale? Yeah. So mm-hmm. not on the sliding summer scale. Well, summer movies are a different thing. But I, I thought it'd be good to mention a smaller movie. Nice. And we have so much to talk about. We've just, you know, Tim went on and on. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, if we actually manage Endlessly to... Endlessly about uh, Doctor Who. Is to to uh, do this once a week. Which Ever is, again. <laughs> well, uh, next week, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about... This My brain t- is exploding. We've got so a lot of TV show stuff to talk we about. we got to look backwards. we got to yeah. look forwards. You know, we're going to hit up... The Bridge, Orange is the New Black, uh, Graceland, you know, we're going to hit up. I like to hit up Drunk History, uh, The End of the Killing, the, the start again of Arrested Development, Breaking Bad. Final season of Breaking Bad, oh, I can't even which is it. just killing me. It's incredible. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Don't get I just, me, don't how get me often do you, do you have that moment where you're like, I have no idea what's going to happen. And I, no. Because I know it's going to be better than anything I can think of. And it already has been. Yeah. The first episode, I was like, oh my God, they just burnt through so much story. I didn't think they'd hit yeah. until the last two. And yeah. like, where do you go from here? So, oh, I, I can't. Endless excitement over that one. Uh, so we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about, and then we'll kind of segue our way into fall TV. Great. All right. And, and we can vent our spleens about Time Warner and CBS and Showtime. Fantastic. Or I can as I'm <laughs> that, that is about it for this week. Yeah, minimal shame level this week. Minimal shame. I don't think I don't top. think we've shared anything that's too too shameful. Or maybe we're just getting so used to it now that we didn't even notice. That's a possibility. Best not to reflect on it too much. We're immune now. <laughs> modern television. The pre-show I'm, though. I'm, de- <laughs> I'm desensitized. <laughs> well, we did do twerking early on. You did. Yeah. Oh, I did. Sorry. Sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll take. I'll, I'll take all the. I just need to go and find my phone finger. While I do that, uh, we'll see you all next week. All right. Bye now. Bye. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.